right. Remember who we are. This is what we're going to be doing. Is this, yeah, I wouldn't mind a slide. Thank you. Just the first one, if that's possible. Right. Now, you know, once there were, I was going to say once upon a time, but it's not fiction, it's true. Uh, there were groups of Christians. Uh, and they were like in little groups in, uh, scattered about. Uh, they weren't in any of those really famous New Testament places, you know, where you got a letter addressed to you as the, the church at Ephesus, like the Ephesians, or the church in Rome at Rome, or the church in Corinth at the Corinthians, or the Thessalonians. No, they didn't, live, they, they didn't live in those kind of places. They weren't those kind of big-name churches. They, they didn't live in places like Antioch or Jerusalem uh, or, or, or the, the big centers of uh, even then, there were centers of Christianity, or they were very early on. Now, they're scattered in small groups. They're around inland Turkey. And they get a letter from Peter, the Apostle Peter. You know, Jesus' disciple, Peter, who's written a letter to them to encourage them. Because they're scattered around, and they feel a bit out of place. They're under pressure. They had all kinds of difficult things to go through. And... Uh, he writes this letter to them to encourage them, to remind them about the amazing things God has done. And we're going to look into it just for today. Uh, and if you've got the page, you've got the page. I didn't have, but it's on page 1217, rather. So they're being reminded of certain things. Do you find it easy to forget sometimes just what God has done or what God can do? I know I do. You know, I get discouraged sometimes, just occasionally. <laughs> or circumstances get tough. Or we face disappointments. Disappointments with the way things turn out. Or tough things in our health. Or disappointments with other people. Even worse sometimes, disappointments with ourselves. You know, it seems like other Christians are doing so much better than us, so we think. Or other churches sometimes seem to be doing so much better, if that matters to you. I want to look at what Peter wrote to these Christians. Maybe they needed to remember something. Maybe we need to remember something. Look at 1 Peter. We turn the page to chapter 2. And look at verse 9 down at the bottom there. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, Peter's saying, remember who you are. This is who you are. You're chosen, you're holy, and so on. We'll look at them in more detail. Big things. I wonder if they'd forgotten. I wonder whether we do sometimes. I wonder whether we can be like, I don't know whether you can see that picture, like Cinderella, <laughs> waking up or getting up the morning after the ball. But she's forgotten <laughs> what that slipper's about. What happened then? What just happened? Who is she? Oh, well, there's a lot of dishes to clean and grates to sweep, chimneys to do. And she just kind of carries on and forgets all about it. It's from a book called Cinderella with Amnesia, which is a book about, about the church. 
Uh, I didn't want to show you that straight away. Are we a bit like that when we get depressed? Or maybe we're a bit more confused, rather like Simba in The Lion King. Let's have a bit of Disney, shall we? That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No! Look hard. You see? He lives in you. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. No, please, don't leave me. Father. Peter starts off this letter with lots of big truth in chapter 1 about who these people are. He's reminding of that. And he talks about things they need to remember. We just read the climax of it there in those verses, but let's get some of the rest. Let's look at verse 23 of chapter 1, just over the page, and we'll read through. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. He quotes the Old Testament. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this 
stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're going to be spending the next three Sundays thinking about our vision as a church to be something. And it's about remembering who we are. It's not about what we should do, really. It's much more exciting than that, actually. It's, uh, we do need to do things. We do need to take action. We do need to change. We do need to obey. We need to move forward. There's lots of change ahead, as we shall see in the AGM. Everyone's welcome to stay, by the way. But we do these things because of who we are. It's not just we do stuff. We are something as God's people together. And as the thing that we are, we get on with what we do. And I want us for a few minutes just to hear what Peter says about what we need to remember about who we are. Here's the first thing. We need to remember that we are God's children to go. Remember who you are together, all of us, as a community. Remember who we are. We are God's children and we're meant to grow. And that's in verses 23 of verse chapter 1 to chapter, verse 3 of chapter 2. And it tells us there that we've been born again. We've had this new life. The word, it says, the truth we heard was like a life seed. Actually, the reference is it's like sperm. It actually is the, the reference there. God has worked in us and, and this, this life from him, this truth from him, this good news of Jesus by the Holy Spirit has come into our lives and we've become new new babies in Christ. We've become alive. We've become new people, it says. And why has that happened? Well, because we, verse 2, might grow up in our salvation. We've been born, and now we need to be growing. We need to be growing up in our salvation as God's children. So if that's to happen, we need to be like babies, it says. Look, you need to be like newborn babies, have you noticed that newborn babies love milk? Yeah, they seem, no one seems to tell them that. They seem to come with that desire for it. You may have friends who've got babies, you may be parents or yourself, but, or you've seen it. Apparently there's a special word for it. Even a tiny, tiny baby will do something called rooting. That means they kind of, their heads go towards the place where the milk comes from. You know, they just kind of push their way over even when they're really really small they really love the stuff and even as they get older uh, one of our our grandchildren is is able to actually kind of ask for milk by using a a sign language that uh, that they've learned and they're still a baby really in some ways it's amazing and here the picture is got, Peter is saying, look, if we're going to, we, we, we've come to life, we've got this new life in Jesus, we, we need to want to grow, and we grow by wanting milk. What is this milk? It could be translated word milk. That word spiritual milk has in it the word, kind of a hint of the word logos, which you will know is a, a word for the word. 
But it's not just that, you know, you, you, you get milk by reading the Bible lots. That might be part of it. There's a verse in Ephesians 3 that tells us that uh, we, uh, we should let Christ live in your hearts. That's in the letter to the Ephesians. At the same time, Paul was writing a letter to the Colossians. And in a very similar passage in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, let the word live in your hearts. Let Christ live in your hearts. Let the word live in your hearts. Remember what Jesus said in John 15? He said, you need to really abide in me. You need to live in me. You need to be connected to me. Like vine branches are connected to the, the main vine. And he said, you, if you abide in me, if you live in me, and my words live, live in you, it's the word, it's Jesus. We're to be God's children, hungry for more of Jesus. Hungry to be with him. You know, like have the kind of appetite that a newborn baby has for milk. We should be that hungry. Hungry to pray. Because, again, it's not a duty, but it's kind of who we are. We are God's children. And we are there in this world as God's children. We've come to life as God's children so that we may grow. Grow up in our salvation. So maybe we can be more like that together, can we? As a whole group of us. To be hungry for God, to be hungry to know more of Jesus, to be hungry for his word. And maybe we need to learn how to do that in conversations with each other. Not to be embarrassed to ask each other about, you know, what we're learning or, or what Jesus is doing. Or if you, you really need Jesus' help with something, to, to encourage someone to pray for you right there, there, another Christian. Just, let's just do that. It says that we taste that the Lord is good. Let's share what that is together. How will I be part of that? How will you be part of that? Hungry, hungry with others. Because we are, remember who we are, we are God's children. And we're God's children to grow. That's the first thing. But there's another thing that Peter says. He says, look, remember, verses 4 to 8, we are God's place. To be filled. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you look at verses 4 to 8, there's a picture there, isn't it? Peter says, look, Jesus is the center of everything. He says, he's the one you come to, verse 4. As you come to him, he's like a living stone. And you keep coming to him. He's using pictures. It's a picture in the Old Testament, actually. It's in Psalm 118. The quotation is down there on the, uh, the bottom of the NIV Bible. And it's a passage in, in, in the Psalms that talk about how it's like God has got, got this, this big stone that uh, is rejected, laid on one side. It's like builders who, in those days, they would build... Um, and at the corner of a of, you know, place where you start or a key point, there'd be a huge stone that had to be kind of lined up because this wall and that wall would all be dependent on being connected to it. And it was kind of, it would make sure the building was straight and true and everything. And in the Psalms it says, uh, there's that stone, but, but it's been uh, rejected, uh, but it's become the chief of the corner. It's become the cornerstone. And remember Jesus told the, the, uh, a story just before he died 
to the religious leaders, he said, look, do you know the story? Let me tell you a story about a vineyard. Remember the story about a vineyard? And there were tenants, and the tenants keep, keep, uh, kept uh, killing people who came to see them. And in the end, the owner says, I'll send my son, and they, they kill his son. And that's the story Jesus tells. You'll see it in, in Matthew, I think. Uh, uh, I'll have a reference to it, uh, Matthew 23, I think. But you can find it in Matthew's Gospel and Mark and Luke's as well. And Jesus says that he quotes that bit from uh, the Psalms and says that that scripture is being fulfilled. I am that stone that the Old Testament talked about. It's a picture. God makes it the key cornerstone. And it's a picture of how we come to Jesus. He's the risen one. The living stone. It says he is a, a chosen and a living stone. Rejected by human beings but precious and chosen to God. And we're alive in him. We're connected to him. It says, look, it's like you are stones and you're all kind of built along him. But you're, all of you are kind of all connected to him. You're all kind of, you know that he's the one for you. You're, he's the one you've trusted. He's the one you love. He's the one you follow. And so you're connected to him. You've come to him. And it says, and it's like you're being built You're being built into something that is called here a spiritual house. A temple. What happens in a temple? God lives in his temple. He's not confined to it, but stories in the Old Testament, the temple was a place where God's presence was known, where God was seen, where you could find out about God. It's a place where God fills by his spirit. And... Peter's saying, you are that, Christians. You are that, church. This is what we are. God's place. God's temple. The place he fills. The place he is known. The place he's worshipped. The place where he is loved. The place where he is celebrated. The place where he actually is. He comes. And as we pray and as we pray for one another, as we share with one another, as we meet with one another... He is here with us. He promised that. And we see that, don't we? Do anyone notice that ever? Okay. Maybe we should look for it more then. Other people have said things about that, but maybe we, we just trust God for that. The place God fills. This is what we are. And it's what God is doing. It's not that we're great. We're not anything special. It says how we are being built. Who's doing the building? Not us. God is. God is bringing us together. He's the one that is making us into this place that he's going to fill, that he fills. So this is what could happen when we're together, when we're worshipping, when we're sharing, when we're praying, when we're praising, when we're encouraging one another, when we're using our gifts. It's what we are, a people for God. So let's be what we are. Let's remember who we are. And let's be who we are. But more than that, as you may know, the temple in the Old Testament and other temples the readers will be familiar with were worked through priests. You know, there were priests who used to do religious things in the, in the temple. They offered sacrifices. And Peter says, not only are we the temple, but it says, you're a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So we're also, not only are we the place where God kind of fills, the place where God is known, oh, this is what we, we can be, well, let's, let, let's go for it. We're also the place where we can kind of serve. We're the people who kind of God will use to make it happen. We do sacrifices. We don't offer sacrifices for sin. Jesus has already done that. All that's been dealt with. But there are other sacrifices that we offer as part of our worship. One, a very well-known verse in the Bible, if I say, when we think of living sacrifices, some of you will remember a verse in Romans 12 that says we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We give ourselves to God. We live in a way in our bodies that honors God. And that is a kind of sacrifice. It's like a priest offering, doing something in worship. If we had time, we could also look up Hebrews 13. Well, let's actually let's look at that one because it's only a couple of pages away. 1212, page 1212. Um, and it's Hebrews chapter 13. Keep a finger in 1 Peter 2. And it's verse 15 there. And this is uh, somebody writing to another community of Christians. And it says, it's, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. What's a sacrifice? Praising him, worshipping him, having his name on our lips when we're together in worship, when we're with one another, maybe when we're with other people. His name is not far from our heads, our hearts, our, our, our lips, it says. A sacrifice of praise. But not only, look, then look, look at verse 16. And do not forget to do good and share with others. All the good things we can do, the things we can share with people, the ways we can practically serve people and show the kingdom of God. Hospitality, kindness, stopping to talk to somebody. Hundreds of, hundreds of things that Jesus can lead us into. And it says such sacrifice that is also a kind of a sacrifice that we as priests can make and there's other things in the new testament in philippians 4 it talks about when we give our money it's like a sacrifice in romans 15 it talks about sharing the gospel it's like a sacrifice philippians 2 talks about kind of living god's way is a sacrifice it's an act of worship it's something we do to show God that we love him, that we appreciate him. That's a different way of doing obedience, isn't it? That's not saying, oh, I've got to do this thing. Oh, no, I've got to get baptized because God says I've got to get baptized. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Or, oh, no, I've got to love someone because God says I've got to love someone. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. It's saying, no, I, I want to worship God. I want to obey him. I want the joy of obeying him. I want the joy of loving him. I want him to, I want to know that he's, he's in it and he's in my life and other people are seeing. That's the kind of spirit. And all of us are priests, not just the, the person leading the service or the people on the platform or the vicar or whoever. It's the whole community can make these sacrifices of praise and worship because we are God's place to be filled. And as, as that's part of our vision as a church, to be that to be God's people, to be a people for God, growing up to him in all these different ways. And remember how these things happen. God is doing it. As we come to him, it says, we come to Jesus and he does it. Well, despite what you, your reaction earlier, people have said, 
But that's not for us to be proud about, but to give glory to God. People have said that, I kind of noticed that God is here present when I visited your church. Uh, And so let's pray that he may continue to do that. Let's ask him for that. He does that. Let's pray that Jesus will be seen in us every way. We are God's place, God's temple, God's priests. Thirdly, finally, we too are God's people. We're God's children to grow. We're God's place to be filled. We're God's people to overflow. And that's from verse 9. We've already read those verses twice. Peter quotes that time when God first covenanted himself, when he first said to the Israelites, I'm going to be your God. Do you want to be my people? It's in Exodus 19. We looked at it uh, in a previous series. That time God said to the people of Israel in Exodus 19, you're going to be a chosen people, a holy nation. It's a reference to that there. And we are chosen... We're chosen because Jesus is chosen. Jesus is the chosen stone. We're the chosen nation. We're the chosen people. Didn't work out so well with Israel, so it's come to anyone, whatever their kind of uh, background is, Jew or Gentile, all can know Jesus. We can be that chosen people. It's a part of who we are. We're a royal priesthood. That's priests with a king. Jesus is our king. We belong to him. And it's in his name we can come freely to God. What do priests do? They have access to God, don't they? In the Old Testament, they were the only ones allowed in parts of the temple. If you could only be a priest, you could only get in if you were a priest into the very inner part. Now, that's all over. All of us who know and love Jesus, we can be right there with God. Nothing to stop us. We can be there pointing others to God. We can come freely to God. We can pray for ourselves. We can pray for others. We can be priests out there in the street. You know, some people don't think, I'd love to talk to a priest. I'm really worried about something. And, you know, you may be sitting next to them on the bus. Or you may be, you know, they may be your next door neighbor. And they're thinking, if only I had a priest I could pray with. And actually, there you are. You're a priest. You know, Jesus, you've got access to God. You could pray for them. See what I mean? That's, that's the kind of privilege. It's who we are. God's people. God's place. We can be priests because of Jesus. We're holy because of all that he's done for us and all that he keeps doing for us. His Holy Spirit fills our lives. We're so privileged. We've not done anything except except the gift of his salvation when we repented and believed. And he's done all this. Do you know the story of Hosea in the Old Testament? Hosea was a prophet. He spoke God's word to the people. And often the prophets brought God's word in very unusual ways. And for Hosea it was unusual, it was painful, it was horrendous in one sense. The word that God wanted him to share was kind of written into his family life. You remember the story? He writes a book in the Old Testament. Because, you see, his wife was a prostitute. She was completely unfaithful to him. And God says, look, that in your family is what Israel is doing to me. 
And I want you to share the story with everybody, Hosea, because that's the message. And that was really hard for him. And part of the deal was that, that Hosea and Gomer, well, presumably Hosea, possibly not, had two children, a boy and a girl. And God tells Hosea to give them names as part of the message. And one of them was called, let me just get this right. The boy's name was not my people in Hebrew. And the girl's name was not pitied, no mercy. That was their names. They walked around. Hello, what's your name? I'm not my people. That's a strange name. Well, it's because my dad's a prophet. And God's message is that Israel should be his people, and they're not. Because they've, they've, that was what the kind of kids carried. That's what Hosea. What are you going to call your boy, Hosea? I'm going to call him not my people. Well, it's a strange. You see what I mean? That was what's going on. But if you look at Hosea 1 and Hosea 2, God promises to make it right, to forgive Israel. If they come back to him... And he says, actually, I'm going to turn those names around, and they won't be called that anymore. They'll be called my people and, and, and knowing mercy. And that's a reference. That's what this means at the end here. It's a reference to that story. Because it's a picture that's of what's happened for us. You see, we were lost. We were under judgment. We weren't God's people. <laughs> we didn't have any mercy in our lives. And now it's turned around completely. Because of Jesus, we are a people for God because of Jesus. You know, we weren't even like Simba. You know, at least Simba had royal blood in his, his, his liony veins, if you see what I mean. We, weren't, we didn't even have that. But God gave us that. God brought us to himself. God, in, through Jesus, died so that we could be forgiven. God did it all. And God has made us not because we deserve it, not because we were necessarily in the right family like Simba was, but God has made us his sons and his daughters. We have his spirit in our lives. And what happens? Verse 9. There's a great phrase there. That you may, this is why, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We declare Jesus' praises. We overflow. Because Jesus has brought us from darkness to light. So we praise him. We live lives that share Jesus. Our whole lives are saying, this is amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And you know, people might ask us where that comes from. And when they do, we explain it to them. Because we want them to know him too. We remember it's a gift from him. We remember who we are. So, we want to be growing up to God as a church, as a whole community. And that involves doing certain things, isn't it? But it's not that we do things. It's that we are something. And what we do, we do because of what we are. Like the baby. It's a baby, so it's hungry for milk. I should say he or she's a baby, so he or she's hungry for milk. We're God's place to be filled with him. With beautiful acts of praise. And beautiful acts of obedience. And we're God's people to overflow. We're God's people 
to overflow, God's children to grow, God's place to be filled, God's people to overflow, bringing truth and life all around us, overflowing, declaring his praises. But that's for next week when we think about that some more. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that all this passage speaks of is what you've done for us. We thank you so much that although we were never any people of any sort, you've made us your own people, your special treasured possession. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us a temple, that together you can fill our life together. Lord, we are, we long that you would do that more and more. And we pray, Lord, that we may realize that we are a people for God. And so we can overflow out of that. Lord, we just forget, but we thank you that you build in your word. You build in as we gather and praise. You build in when we share bread and, and wine together. These things that remind us and take us back to remember who we are. And we pray, Lord, that this week... Indeed, through this coming, much more than the week, that we may just be excited and involved and engaged with you because of who we are. Lord, if we've never kind of got to that first step yet, we pray that you would give us the, you would draw near to us and enable us just to simply reach out to you and say, we want to be part of this. We want you to rescue and save us. We want to become one of your people. We want to be your children. So we turn and trust in you. Help us to do that if we've not done that yet in our lives. Thank you that you died on the cross for us. And we pray, Lord, that as we, we see what you've done and turn to you, we may know that life of God beginning in us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.